0: everybody. Welcome to the Living Real Podcast. I'm Melanie Shaw, your host, as well as founder and editor-in-chief of Living Real Magazine. On the 10th of each month, I will get to introduce you to someone that I've met who has a sincere desire to live out their real faith in real life. Someone who doesn't mind sharing their struggles because they want to encourage us to stay the course someone who's overcome and can testify to the faithfulness of Almighty God. I'm so excited about each conversation that we're gonna have, and I pray God will use our words to bring glory to His Son, Jesus Christ. So are you ready? I know I am. Hello, everyone. Wow, what a difference a month makes. Last episode, I could still record the podcast sitting next to my guest in the studio, and this month, and for who knows how long, I'll be conducting interviews over the phone. This COVID-19 pandemic and stay-home order, though, will not thwart God's plan and purpose. He has made a way through all kinds of technology to keep people, and especially his people, connected to one another, and we are so grateful. Today, I've invited a dear friend to join me, and her name is Lori Hatcher. And Lori wears all kinds of hats. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Lori is a blogger, a pastor's wife, and women's ministry speaker. She's the editor of South Carolina's Reach Out Columbia magazine, the former president of Columbia Toastmasters, and a regular contributor to magazines such as Christian Living Today and websites like Crosswalk.com. Her book, Hungry for God, Starving for Time, won the Christian Small Publisher 2016 Book of the Year. And if you can find out more about Lori and her five-minute devotions at LoriHatcher.com. So, Lori, welcome to the Living Real podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Melanie. This has been the highlight of my week, and the week hasn't even ended yet. But it's such a treat to be able to connect with you and to connect with your listeners. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, you are quite welcome, my friend. So, I thought it would be interesting for you to tell our audience a little bit about how you and I met.
1: Melanie, I love how God brings people together on their spiritual journeys. And even though you and I went to high school together, we didn't find that out until about, oh gosh, 30, (laughs) 40 years later. Watch it. Uh, Yeah, well, maybe... (laughs) Ten years later. There that's, you go. There that's you go. It, that's <laughs> it. But we, well, I remember us meeting, sitting around a table in Starbucks at a writer's meeting. It was a fledgling writer's group. A mutual friend had gathered Christian writers that she knew lived in the area to get together to encourage each other and to sharpen our craft and to just create a writer's community within the Christian culture. And that's when I remember sitting across from you, I remember we swapped articles and I read one of yours and I thought, wow, she really knows what she's doing. She's an excellent writer. I need to get to know her a little bit better. And the rest, as they say, is history.
0: (laughs) Very cool, because I knew you would remember some little tidbits that maybe I didn't remember, but that is my first um, impression and first introduction to you was with Palmetto Christian Writers Network many years ago, and that was just right at the beginning of my writing um, career, if you want to call it that, in ministry, and um, I just was impressed with your writing and just your wealth of wisdom and knowledge in that area. And I couldn't wait to just bask (laughs) in your thoughts and be able to learn a lot from you. And 10 years later, I have learned tons from you, my friend. So as I said earlier, um, you wear many hats. I know that besides everything I read in your bio, you're a um, pastor's wife. And so I thought it would be interesting to start off with that role and that hat that you wear and describe a little bit about what it's like being a pastor's wife.
1: Melanie, my husband pastors a small church in the Columbia area. It's been in existence for more than 60 years. But like many churches, it is it has waxed and waned in its attendance. But God is doing a new work there. He is drawing people to himself. He's drawing them into a deeper relationship with himself and with each other. And he's just really helping us experience the joy of living the Christian life together. So really, as the pastor's wife of a small congregation it's really just been a beautiful opportunity to do life together with a small group to encourage each other to spur each other on to serve together i am of of the two of us i'm the more administratively gifted member of the of of our marriage and so my husband comes up with the wonderful ideas, and then he hands it over to me to figure out how to make them happen. Thankfully, we have many gifted members in our church, and so it really is a group effort. It's a joy. It really is a joy to serve with this congregation.
0: Well, that's awesome. I was um, really wanted to get your take on that a little bit, because in this next issue of live and real magazine we're honoring a pastor's wife which was actually my pastor's wife for over 30 years and she has recently passed away and um, we just wanted to encourage pastor's wives with this particular article and we know that your job is not easy um, it's very rewarding but it comes with a lot of sacrifice and we just wanna thank you for what you do, you and David both. So I wanted to get a little bit about that out. And then I also wanted to ask you about another hat that you wore about 17 years and that was homeschooling your children who are now adults. So I have two two questions to go with that um, particular hat. How did this strengthen your personal faith And how do you think it strengthened your children's faith?
1: Those are really good questions. It's kind of funny because for decades, homeschooling families were in the minority and now all of a sudden we're in the majority.
0: (laughs) That's right, everybody's doing it.
1: Everybody's homeschooling. Melanie, homeschooling, and I will tell anyone who asks me about it, has been the hardest job I've ever done But it's also been the most rewarding job because it required me every day to draw strength and wisdom and patience and kindness and gentleness and (laughs) self-control from God because I did not have it within myself oftentimes people will say to me oh I could never homeschool I don't have enough patience well I didn't have enough patience either but I discovered that patience like many of the fruit of the Spirit uh, is more like a muscle than it is an organ it grows when it's exercised so as we learn to exercise the fruit of the Spirit patience gentleness kindness self-control it grows and we grow in our spiritual life so the old adage about you know uh, whatever comes out of the tube when it's squeezed is what's in the tube so oftentimes homeschooling my children and just being together 24 7 it didn't cause what was inside of me it revealed what was inside of me and sometimes those things weren't very attractive or god honoring but mm-hmm. it allowed us to live in transparency with each other because when you live with someone 24 7 there's no place to hide exactly if, if, if mommy's not exercising patience or kindness it's pretty obvious to those around her so every day i had to go before the lord some days really in desperation and say god if you don't help me i can't do this i'm not smart enough i'm not well educated enough i'm not spiritually mature enough to to do this successfully it has to be you but the beautiful thing about that is god promises that his strength is made perfect in our weakness that's why he puts his spirit into jars of clay so we can never claim credit for what he does through us because we know we're we're all cracked pots mm-hmm. i'm not saying we're cracked pots but we're cracked pots Amen. we are flawed yes. vessels so my faith grew through that experience because it forced me to rely on god every single day and for those Homeschool mamas and daddies out there that didn't choose to homeschool, but have had this thrust upon them, that that is available to you as well. God will enable you to do what He's called you to do, and it will be a beautiful testimony to him if you lean into him and try not to do it in your own strength so that helped my faith grow immeasurably i learned that that i had to give my pitiful little offering up to the lord and say god here's here's what i can contribute please multiply it and magnify it for your glory as far as my children i believe that they were able to explore who they were who god had created them to be without the limitations that others would put on them i mean who's going to believe in you more than your mother <laughs> for honestly sure, for okay? sure. so yes unfortunately the 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 classroom the teachers the peers only get a snippet of of who each child really is and they make judgments and they make um, classifications They they have to in order to be able to educate 20 plus children in a classroom you have to put them in categories these are high achievers these are average achievers these are below average achievers but i discovered that as we As I learned my children, I learned their giftedness, I learned their strengths, I learned their weaknesses, that allowed me to tailor their education to those strengths and weaknesses, maximize the strengths, strengthen the weaknesses with special maybe remedial education or extra emphasis or special tutoring so that the weaknesses weren't as weak and the strengths were magnified. So I think because they were homeschooled, my children were, uh, I think their education was maximized because we could tailor it to their needs. That, I think, helped them become the person God had created, persons that God had created them to be without the limitations that our society sometimes places on uh, on children.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that is great. I have several homeschool friends that I know will benefit from your words of wisdom with us today on that particular hat that you wore and have um, great experience with. But I also know that you are now a Gigi grandma, and I know that you at least want to say something about the grandchild, grandchildren.
1: (laughs) Well, I do. I have four grandchildren, six, four, two. And six months old, two <laughs> girls, two boys. I it really is has been my most fun hat to wear. The hat of Gigi. Uh, I would hear my other friends talk about how wonderful it was to to be a grandparent and I thought oh for heaven's sakes, you've got it cannot be that marvelous this has got to be overrated and then that first grandchild came along and the second and the third and the fourth and I realized they were absolutely right because with grandparenting comes all the fun And very little responsibility. When (laughs) I show up, my only responsibility is to have fun and to keep them from killing themselves or each other. (laughs) So it really has been an opportunity to just enjoy the fun that is to be had in childhood. We catch frogs, we dig for worms, we play board games, and we read, 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 because I love books, and I want to help my my grandchildren love books.
0: Well, that's awesome. I think I'm going to come hang out with you, because it sounds like a lot of fun. And it's so Gigi's fun. Come, house. <laughs>
1: come for fun Fridays at Gigi's house.
0: <laughs> that sounds cool. Well, I also know that you um, work as a dental hygienist. I don't know where you fit that in with everything else that you do, but I know that your faith is um, so embedded into the core of who you are that it exudes everywhere you go. So if you could just really quick tell me just a little snippet about how your faith impacts your um, everyday work as a dental hygienist.
1: I have been fortunate to work in the same office for 32 years. Mm. I worked first for uh, the dentist that I started working for, and then I was inherited (laughs) by his son when his son came into practice with us. And because I have cared for some of these patients for decades, i have built a relationship with them we don't just talk about teeth although that's important we talk about each other's lives and kids and grandchildren and, and pets and as i've gotten to know them and they've gotten to know me i've i've had the opportunity to to connect with them over um, faith matters some are believers and we just we just can't wait to see each other we just have church right there in the dental (laughs) office and and i've been able to pray with them during times of crisis health issues or or um, financial needs or just struggles life struggles and even some who aren't believers when when a crisis is happening or a diff they're in a difficult period in their lives i'm very thankful for my employer who recognizes that we don't just care for our bodies we care for our, our body our minds our souls are all part of our health and and he allows me the freedom to when the spirit leads just to speak words of faith into someone's life or to pray for them i've, I've been able to share the gospel with people who have received cancer diagnoses or or have lost loved ones and and I've been able like uh, first Peter encourages us to be ready always to give a reason for the hope that is within you with gentleness and respect that's what i've I've tried to do and it's been a great privilege to get to know these patients and and to to love them and care for them.
0: That is awesome and uh, that is what living real is all about is just, Being able to hear from people as to how you infuse your faith into everyday walks. And um, I thank you for sharing that with us. So I want to get down to the nitty-gritty of um, your writing um, branches of your life because I have the privilege of being on your launch team for your brand new devotional book that is coming out in April. And it's called Refresh Your Faith, Uncommon Devotions, from every book of the Bible. So I want to um, ask you first off, what do you mean by uncommon devotionals?
1: Well, Melanie, this book came about because of a really dry period in my spiritual life. I have been reading through the Bible every year for probably 15 years. and. Sometimes I would use a devotional to, not to take the place of my Bible reading, but to supplement it to get a new thought or a different perspective or to, to encounter a passage maybe that I hadn't really studied before. But I, I became very frustrated with a lot of the devotionals I read, especially the ones for women. They just seemed, I don't know, they seemed very simplistic and maybe even dumbed down i don't know it seemed like the same 20 verses were showing up in every devotional i read and i knew because i had read through the bible many times that there was so much more to god's word so i went on a search i i asked the lord to help me find uncommon verses in every book of the bible it just naturally flowed with my plan to read through the bible that year but i asked him to help me see new things. How scripture tells us, one of uh, the psalmists prayed, Lord, help me see wonderful things in your law. And that's what I prayed. Mm-hmm. And as I read through the Bible that year, God began to shine a spotlight on verses that I'd Literally, I mean, I guess I had seen them before because I'd read through the Bible many times, but all of a sudden they just started to sparkle. They would come to my attention, and I started collecting them. And because I'm a storyteller, I began to pair these uncommon verses. Some of them were in the most unlikely places, in genealogies or in in books of the law, but then others were... I found even in familiar stories, but they were kind of on the fringes of the stories. I started collecting them. I started pairing them with real life, everyday stories. I I must confess that I stole Jesus's idea of the parable uh, <laughs> because he was the master t- storyteller. He could take a spiritual concept and pair it with an everyday story and make it come alive. And that's what I asked God to help me do as I read through the Bible that year, was to find the uncommon verses and then pair them with everyday stories to help give readers a hook to hang the theology on or the, the Bible passage on.
0: Okay. I just, I'm really impressed with this one because I'm like you, it just seems like a lot of the same verses keep popping up. It doesn't mean that they're any less powerful. It just means sometimes we need to, something a little fresh that kind of stops us in our tracks and we don't just gloss over something that we've heard over and over again. Um, As I was browsing through the book, um, and I've, I've read several, you know, like, Everyone is titled with the book of a Bible, book of the Bible, and of course there's 66 books in the Bible, so these are 66 uncommon devotions. Um, like in the book of Colossians, you talk about wrestling in prayer. Um, in Galatians, always wanted. In John, the hardest mission field of all. There's just, they just sound refreshing just to read the titles and the way that you have Put it together, starting off with a title, then a scripture to hold on to, and then you do tell the story, and then tie it all into God's word, leaving them with an uncommon thought and an unusual faith, and then you also challenge them to read more in the word. Um, I just love it. I am I'm really imp- impressed with it, and I am excited to help you actually market this and get this into the hands of people. So I thought, if you don't mind, um, would you mind reading an actual devotion from the book? And one that I thought I would like for you to read is the one from 1 Samuel. Because of where we are with this COVID-19 pandemic and crisis and stay at home orders and all those things. The title of this one was, Who Are You Trusting In? And it just sounded like it would be very applicable for what we're going through. So would you mind reading for us today?
1: I love to read, (laughs) so thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Sure. This verse, uh, this passage, this devotion, as you mentioned, is from the book of 1 Samuel, and it's entitled, Who Are You Trusting In? The verse is 1 Samuel 4, 3, the uncommon verse in the, King James, the New King James Version. Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. There's nothing like a crisis To reveal a person's heart. Our family's first financial crisis proved it. My husband and I had been married for almost four years. We were ready to begin our family, but lacked the money necessary to bring a little one into the world. So we did what any financially responsible couple, without a lot of money, did. We saved to cover medical costs and lost income while I was out on maternity leave. I worked extra days, and we cut back wherever we could. Finally, the day came when we had met our savings goal. Now, with a nicely padded bank account, we could turn our attention to getting pregnant. God was gracious to us, and before long, we were expecting. A month into my pregnancy, however, the engine in our car blew up. It took half our baby savings to fix it. Two weeks later the transmission went out. Fixing it took the other half of our savings. In two months we went from nicely padded to dead broke. Again, we did what any normal couple would do. We panicked. What are we going to do? I can't work extra anymore. We can't save that much money in only a few months. How will we pay our bills when I'm home on maternity leave? That's when we realized how misplaced our trust had become. First Samuel 4 tells a similar story. The Israelites were preparing to go to war against their arch enemy, the Philistines. They were a formidable foe. Remember how the shepherd boy David faced off against their nine-foot-tall warrior Goliath? The Philistines had routed them once, but the Israelites weren't afraid to face them again. They had a secret weapon, the Ark of the Covenant. This golden box contained artifacts from Israel's God. From the time they'd left Egypt, it had also been the place where God's presence dwelled among them but as their love and respect for God had diminished, they'd begun to treat it like a lucky rabbit's foot. No one could vanquish them as long as they carried their talisman into battle. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. First Samuel 4.3 Did you catch their faulty thinking? Let us bring the Ark that when It comes among us. It may save us from the hand of our enemies. Although they claimed to serve the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe, instead of calling on him to be their defender and protector, they placed their trust in a golden box. When our financial house crashed around us in the early days of my pregnancy, we realized we had misplaced our trust for provision and protection. Instead of believing God could provide for a baby if he chose to give us one, we trusted our bank account and our ability to earn and save. After the Philistines soundly defeated the Israelites again, the Israelites repented of their misplaced faith. They once again sought God's power and protection. We repented too. Were we wrong to set financial goals, to work hard, to spend carefully and save wisely? Absolutely not. God calls Christians to be shrewd financial managers. We got off track though, when we trusted our bank account instead of trusting God, who is our ultimate provider. Like the Israelites, we suffered from a heart matter. In whom were we trusting? God or someone or something else? When the Israelites confessed, repented, and called upon God to help them conquer the Philistines, he brought about a great victory. The prophet Samuel commemorated the event by setting up a memorial stone saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. 1 Samuel 7, 12 God was faithful to us too. Despite having no savings, our precious baby girl was born right on schedule. He provided the funds to pay every doctor and hospital bill, not all at once, but we never missed a payment. Three years later, he gave us another baby daughter for whom he also provided, all the way from birth to college and beyond to remind us that God is our provider. Our family memorial box contains two paid in full hospital receipts. They serve as a powerful testimony that, thus far, the Lord has helped us. The uncommon thought from this devotion? We're often guilty of placing our trust in the provision rather than the provider himself. The unusual faith step. Examine your life. In what areas do you find yourself worrying? Since we needn't worry when we're fully trusting God, are you trusting in something other than Him? Are there any areas in which you trust something other than God to meet your needs? Confess, repent, and surrender those areas to God. Then watch Him work on your behalf. For extra reading, read 1 Samuel 4, 1-22. through 22.
0: I just love that. Um, I know that... My husband and I, we've talked a lot during this quarantine about finances and how we've lost um, money through the stock market and different things like that. And I'm the person who says, it's okay, God's got us, we're gonna be good, and I'm not worried about it. And I don't think Rick is a real worrier, but I think he does get concerned because he is the provider for our family or the main one. So um, just in the midst of all of this, right as the quarantine started, we had just put his mom's house on the market. And as of yesterday, I believe, we have a contract on that house. And that just doesn't happen in the middle of a pandemic. pandemic. (laughs) So another you know, another testament to God is faithful to his own, and he's going to not let us drown. He didn't bring us this far to do that and to to forsake us. So thank you. I love the personal story in this particular devotion that's really, really um, needed in this time. And if you're listening um, to this podcast, I also want to let you know that we want to provide for you a special um, gift package, and inside that gift package, we're going to include an autographed book of Lori's um, new devotional book, Refresh Your Faith. And so to be able to get the gift package, we'd like for you to go to our email, which is hello at livingrealmag.com and in the subject line put Lori's book. Again, that is at livingrealmag.com and in the subject line put Lori's book. Then in the body of your email, if you would just give us your home address or the address you would like for the um, gift to be sent to, then that will um, help us when we're doing the drawing. We will already have that information in front of us. So I'll repeat that again at the end of the podcast today. But I wanted to let you know something good may be coming your way besides just the words on the podcast. Um, I want to read the back of the book just to uh, let people get a little bit of the highlight of what's going on in here. And it says, Just when you think you know the Bible, Lori Hatcher brings to light rich life-changing Bible passages that will have you examining. Wow, I've never noticed that before. Shake up your quiet time with these culturally relevant, story-driven devotions, one from each book of the Bible, spotlighting an unusual verse or passage. I can't read today. You'll be challenged to think deeply, step out boldly, and grow dynamically, transforming your devotional time and your life. So thank you, Lori, so much for um, listening to the Spirit and for bringing us a product that will all help us to refresh our faith and to draw closer to our Lord and fall deeper in love with His Word. All right, I have one more thing that I wanted you to share with me personally today because it was a part of your story that I read um, as I was reading through some of your information that really caught my attention. And because my book um, and Bible study is based on forgiveness and that the key to joy is forgiveness, you have an amazing story about how you forgave a very unlikely person in your life. So would you mind sharing a bit of that story with us? Um, before we conclude today?
1: I would be glad to. And I do mention this story also in the book, in the chapter on Amos, of all places. Oh, cool. It's called When Murderers Go Free. Mm. Uh, This story took place in the early years of our marriage. I had just given birth to my first daughter, She was uh, not even a toddler yet. And we lived lived in the neighborhood in the Northeast. And one day, early in the morning, I got a phone call that changed the fabric of our family forever. My mom was calling me in a panic, and she said that my uncle, who lived just two blocks away from me, had been shot and killed in his home. And Mm. as we struggled to just, piece the events of the day together, what we realized had happened was he and his neighbor had kind of had a little bit of a Hatfield and McCoy relationship going on. One would would do something to annoy the other one, and then the other one would do something to get back at him, and and it was was not a healthy relationship. And one morning, uh, the events escalated, To the point where my uncle's neighbor ran inside his house to get his gun while my uncle ran into his home and locked the doors. Um, The neighbor broke down the front door, broke down the locked, my uncle's locked bedroom door, and found my uncle there crouched on the floor trying to unjam an ancient shotgun that probably hadn't been fired in years with which he was was planning to defend himself and the murderer was a marksman and so he took aim uh, and he shot my uncle twice once in each ankle once in each knee <clears throat> and then once in the heart hmm. and he never spent a night in jail. Wow. He hired an expensive, high-powered lawyer to get him out of jail on, if you can believe it, the grounds of self-defense. Uh, as my family attended the trial and listened to the testimony, we knew that he was going to go to jail Mm -hmm. but when the verdict was handed down uh, he was set free he went back he was free to go back to his everyday life his job his family his home and we were left to shampoo the blood out of the carpet and try to make sense of of life now uh because we lived in the neighborhood I avoided, I'd I'd often take walks in the early morning with my daughter in the stroller, and for for a while I avoided the street where my uncle had lived and died. But then I, I started walking past the house, and sometimes I would see my uncle's murderer leaving for work in the morning or coming home at night. And from all outward appearances, his life had not changed at all while my uncle's life was... Was changed forever um, and his family's life was changed forever
0: mm.
1: and as as I watched him go about his day-to-day life bitterness and anger and resentment started to grow in my heart what right does he have to go about life like nothing has ever happened while my uncle is dead and his family is changed forever some nights I couldn't sleep because I was so angry and I was so bitter over the travesty of justice that had taken place and one night i i couldn't sleep the thoughts were just swirling and churning and the anger was just burning and and i got up and i sought comfort in god's word because i knew instinctively that there was hope and truth in life and i just randomly opened my bible to the parable of the rich man and lazarus and the rich man died and because he had not placed his faith in god he went to hell and he lifted up his eyes and and um i thought you know what that's what my uncle's murderer deserves because he has committed a crime and he has not paid the punishment for it Hmm. and that's when the holy spirit spoke to my heart i said he deserves hell and the holy spirit in that still small voice that is so recognizable said and so do you hmm. and at first i was very offended <laughs> because i said i am not a murderer i have not you know been like i, I have not taken someone's life i haven't committed any terrible crimes But then the Holy Spirit in that gentle voice said, but your sin is just as offensive to a holy God as his. Hmm. Not to minimize my uncle's murderer's sin and the gravity of that, but but to help me, I realized in that moment that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And whether our sins are great or small, by earthly measure they are still an offense to a holy god and then the holy spirit spoke again and he said i want you to forgive him that was not the words i wanted to hear i (laughs) wanted vengeance and not forgiveness and then if that wasn't a hard enough assignment he said and then i want you to share the gospel with him Mm. Now I didn't think it was a good idea to just walk up to his front door and knock on the door and say, "Hi, I'd like to share the gospel with you." <laughs> and so I did what I sensed the Lord telling me to do and that was that was to write him a letter. And I the first thing I did though was to bow my head before God and say, "God, I I am guilty as well." The sin of anger and bitterness and wrath and vengeance is, is offensive in your sight, not to mention all the other things that I've done in my life. And I, I do ask forgiveness for that. I ask your forgiveness for that for me. I said, Lord, but the only way I can forgive this man is if you give me the power to do it because it's not within me. And God yes. gave that to me by, by being willing to do that. God enabled me to. It didn't mean all the emotions went away. It didn't mean that his crime went away. And it, it deserved no less um, a penalty. But but I gave up the right to punish him. And I trusted God with that. and And God ultimately is justice. And he is the ultimate judge. And I knew that unless he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he had done on the cross, then he would one day pay the penalty for his sin, but that he also had the opportunity to accept what Christ had done on his behalf, just like I had. My sins were offensive to God, and Christ's blood covered them and took away the punishment for that. And so that's what I, so I I took out a big long yellow legal pad and I wrote to my uncle's murderer and I explained to him how much his actions had hurt our family and how grieved we were. But then I said that I forgive you and I want you to know that God can forgive you too I shared the gospel with him about how our salvation is by grace through faith not because of what we do but because of what Christ has done on the cross cross and I invited him to accept that forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers and the cleansing that comes with it. Hmm. And I I left the envelope in his mailbox and I'll probably never know this side of eternity, whether my uncle's murderer accepted the forgiveness that Christ offered. But I know that I fulfilled what God called me to do, which was to tell him the gospel and to extend forgiveness. And I realized by obeying what God had called me to do that God had set a prisoner free and that that prisoner was me
0: amen. I just think that story is, um, it's just so powerful. Um, and when you really think about it, it's unheard of and unbelievable and hard to imagine, but that is what God does for us. That is why it's His gift of salvation and grace and mercy is so miraculous because in turn, because of what He's done for us, then we can let go those hurts and those bitter feelings and that anger and let that go and forgive others because we know what Christ has done for us and that we're all guilty when we stand before that cross and we're all offered the same gift. Of salvation um, it's just a beautiful story and I thought that would give people a little more insight too, as to uh, personal another personal story not knowing that it was already in the book yeah. So another tease um, to to get the refresh your faith because the storytelling is just amazing in there so Lori I just want to thank you so much for being with us today it has been a pleasure to um, listen to you talk about um, what God's doing in your life and how much He's using your giftings that He's placed inside of you and that you're using those things for His honor, for His glory, and to um, bring hope and healing and encouragement into the lives of mostly women but men as well. So I want to give our audience that address one more time. If you are interested in getting a gift package including an autographed book of Refresh Your Faith by Lori Hatcher, go to the email address at livingrealmag. Excuse me, hello at livingrealmag.com, and in the subject line, put Lori's book. And in the body of the email, give us your name and address so we'll know where to send the package to if you happen to be the winner of the gift. So once again, thank you for being with us today. We are excited about what God's doing with the podcast. This has been episode four. And Lori, again, thank you so much. I would like to pray with you before we end and say goodbye.
1: Thank you, Melanie. It's been a joy. Anytime we get to brag on God, it's a good day.
0: Yes, it is. So let's pray and thank him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, this beautiful day that you've given to us. And Lord, I thank you um, for my friend Lori. I thank you, Lord, for um, how you've placed both of us as editors of magazines and each other's uh, lives as we um, both learn and grow together. And um, befriend one another as sh- iron sharpens iron and just um, egg each other on to stay the course and press on for the purposes that God has called us to um, for his honor and for his glory. Father, that I thank you for Lori's new book. I thank you for the words on each page. I play, pray an extra measure of blessing and anointing on this book that it will draw people Not only to her words, but draw people to your word, Father, where we can truly find hope and encouragement and healing and power and forgiveness and mercy, and Father, and the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Lord, I thank you for the conversation that we've had today, and I pray that it ministers to the hearts of those who will find us on the podcast. Lord, we love you. We give you honor today, and we um, thank you for this week that we have to think about what you did for us on the cross in a, in a mighty global way, and Father, we just um, are grateful for the sacrifice of your Son, and we thank you for our salvation, and we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori, and we will talk with you soon.
1: Thanks, Melanie.
0: All right, take care. Well, that's a wrap, you guys. I pray today's conversation has encouraged you, challenged you, and most of all, pointed you to the source of our faith, Jesus. If you would like to know more about Living Real Magazine, please visit our website at livingrealmag.com. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Living Real Mag. And until next time, remember, let's keep it real for Jesus' sake.